Hello and welcome to the fourth and final episode of our Strontium Dog Miniatures Game Specials. I'm Gordon, the regular host of the Life of Die podcast, and tonight I'm once again joined by Alan Stenhouse, the creator of Strontium Dog, the Killing uh, 2188, was it, Alan? Is that right? 2188, that's correct, yeah. <laughs> I actually remember this time, I've always just called, I kept referring to Um so I finally got it right. Um, so yeah, that series has just concluded on our YouTube channel. Um, so thanks for joining me again, Alan. How are you doing? You all right? I'm doing good, Gordon. It's very nice to be here again. Yeah, for one last <laughs> one last time over the top. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so coming up tonight, we're going to obviously be reflecting on your campaign series. Um, but first and foremost, we've got the small matter of completing our guide to all the characters that feature in the Strontium Dog Miniatures game. Last time, we gave uh, all our tips for using the game's villains and not necessarily out-and-out villains, there's a couple of SD agents and things like that that we covered there as well, but now it's time for the heroes. So I'm going to hand over to you, Alan, because in this first section, I'm going to give you the floor because you're the one that's really had more experience uh, with these particular characters. So over to you, Alan. Right, okay. Well, well firstly, we'll get um, not one of the, the heroes, well, the last of the basic villain strengths out of the way, uh, Slabhead. Uh, Slabhead's pretty basic. He's basically unremarkable it says it in his actual rundown that the only thing that makes him really good is his dervish dogs and that would be exactly it's correct um he's good because he's got the garot uh, skill uh, it basically means when he, he makes a a back attack on a character he adds plus one to his fight and that goes right in good with his kind of slippery nature uh, but the pack master skill is where he really shines and basically that's uh, Slaphead alone isn't much to worry about but his dervish dogs make him a bigger threat and he knows it. Slaphead can use a single action to remove an action chip from the dervish dogs and return that chip to the bag. So it's a good way of getting the dervish dogs to perform like a, almost like a star chip player. So it's for, for basically that one turn and because the dervish dogs are so powerful in basically close combat it's really, really good. But you're talking about his basic stats. Only two shoot. His fight's two plus one in brackets because obviously that's his garrote skill. He has got one evade, which is not bad. And his defence is basically three. Um, so that that's not bad. But he's going to get like a, a basic hand blaster. So he's got t- uh, two of them, basic hand blasters, two of them. So he's not nothing to write home about. The Dervish Dogs, on the other hand, with their fight, massive fight of three plus one, because they operate as a pack, you basically add both them together if they're able to attack a enemy. So you're talking about you're getting hit with, what, eight dice? That's insane. Damage? <laughs> it's insane. It is. I mean, you can't one kill a good person, but all you need to do is get involved in close combat with them and get really, really bad damage, and then the chances you breaking free uh, the next turn, or when you activate, that character activates, is extremely slim, because the Dervish Dogs would get a free hit in them, because they've got a high move as well, because it would basically mean that their move, if they had wounded a, an opponent, their move was basically still going to be higher, because their six move, the opponent that they've wounded, their move would be reduced by the amount of wounds they've taken, so... They basically got a free in if that person was trying to disengage for them. So they are really, really tough. I mean, I had a lot of fun playing them. I've not had a lot of experience with them, but because they featured a lot in one of the killing bouts, I've really seen how well they played when I was prepping for that. So 
Uh, like I say there, so Flabed, just an honourable mention, really, to be honest with you, because we mentioned all the other villas and on and based on savoury characters, kind of shades of grey characters. Uh, but Slaphead is basically he's he's just a, a standard normal guy with the strength of having the devilish dogs behind him. Used in conjunction, they're really, really, really good. Yeah, I mean, my only thing about the Dervish Dogs is that I feel they're too powerful, but at the same time, it completely matches, as as most of the characters does. Um, when you see them in the comic, they just they just basically cut through anything that's anywhere near them. So in that respect, spot on. So no complaints that way. Yeah. So what's up next then? Okay, next we have Blubberlips, and Blubberlips again, I, I like the character, I like the look of the miniature map, but he's just a, another basic character, only two shoot, two fight, no evade, he has got four resist, which is pretty good, Yeah. Uh, and then obviously he's just got a basic hand blaster, I mean he's got this real rasp, Yeah. which basically means if he uses an action, uh, Blubberlips can use a single action to try and startle all opposing models within eight inches. Uh, take a cool test for each model in range. Any that fail to roll a special results are pinned. So uh, it's basically, a, it's almost a, like intimidation that a wee bit, isn't it? The one with the sticks. Yeah. But the fact is sticks gets that. Sticks gets that automatically. Blubberlips has got to spend an action. So in that regard, he's just a standard guard, a standard quite cheap character that you can basically have to, to back up your squad. I mean, he's only five notoriety. So, I mean, as I say, I like the character, I like the miniature, and I quite liked, I liked him in the killing, but um, he's a basic character, basically, so he's kind of throwaway, shall we say. Yeah. Next, we've got Kidney. Again, Kidney is a, one of the most basic. Again, everything stat-wise with him, the only thing that's good with him is your four for his defence. But again, he's only four notoriety, so he's really, really cheap. And because he's got the no-head skill, kidney's head replaces one of his knees, making him difficult to headshot. He gains plus one resist, included in his stats, but is limited to a focused front fire arc. So in that sense, he's quite similar to Torso, but Torso is far superior mm -hmm. because of the weapons that he's got and because he stats and because he schools up. Uh, but we'll get his torso later. So that's basically Kidney. Kidney is, again, totally reflects the comic persona that he is because he's a, a washout strawn in the, the strip and uh, basically he's got the Mac Mac shakes and he, he can't, he, he's lost the, the ability to basically go and get bounties on his own, which is why he teams up with Johnny. But it, it's really quite genius what they've done with the character because it totally matches, the profile totally matches who he is in the story. Next, uh, Maeve the Many Armed. Uh, again, she's she's quite good because she's got the multiple uh, guns and multiple arms. But again, I very seldom use that option. Yeah, me too. But there was one time I actually used it for when I was up against Steel Krieg. And it was great because she didn't have the um, she had limited range because she was at long range. But by adding the multiple gun rule with her mutation, she got the extra dice to shoot. Considerably, I mean, it says here many arms. Uh, Maeve can put down an impressive hail of fire when she shoots, firing multiple guns at once, adds plus three to Maeve's shoot stat when she takes a snapshot, but the target gains plus one resist. That was extenuating circumstances that I used that, um, because the whole plus one resist thing if a target's already in cover and they're getting the plus two, say, for heavy cover or plus one for the, the light cover. 
I think sometimes it's it's not really worth it when you've only got guns that's going like free power, you know? Yep. So again, to me, she's another basic character, but again, notoriety at seven is is basically quite cheap. The one thing I would add to that is that I actually think Steel Creek's a perfect opponent to use Maeve, um, because when you've got all, all those kind of all those dice to roll uh, for your roll to hit, he's likely to be pinned, and if you pin him, that stops him doing his uh, his fire pack because he needs a double in the, the double action. So that is excellent. Yeah. Yeah, she's good that way, definitely. But in general terms, yeah, I agree with you. I don't really tend to use the multiple guns thing because more often than not, I would rather not pay to have the extra guns. I would rather just pay for a one gun, and that's what they use. <laughs> just to maybe that's a bit gamey in my part, but anyway. <laughs> so moving on to the mutant generals, maybe then next. Yeah, uh, well, General Arms is like a better version of Maeve because obviously he's cool four, shoots a lot better, it's free. Uh, Maeve's two, obviously, with the pluses, and he's got free fight and free shield. Not a right, he's 12, considerably higher, but he's got multiple. He's got the two Colt hand blasters and a one DBL5 repeater hand blaster, both of which are lower power. But one of them's got basically got a repeater function. The the repeater hand blaster, obviously, it's got like a plus two for short range. So I think he's actually quite good. And if you're using him as he is meant to be in the actual, you know, the, the strip, he's got the inspirational mutant commander uh, skill. General Arms had the ability to inspire his strontium forged followers to rise up and fight against the oppression of Nelson Creelman's anti mutant program. If arms activates, he can use a single action to remove remove D3 action chips from any minor character with mutations within six and return those chips to the bag. Now, that kind of thing was with the games that I've played. Um, that's never really come up. But if you were using him with multiple other mutant characters in a kind of flashback mutant war game, that could be really good. Yeah. Um, then also he's got the multiple arms one as well. But again, to me, he's a better version of Maeve, but with that Mutant Commander skill, that's good, depending on the type of game that you're using them. Yeah, that's brilliant. So Evans had a wee bit more experience with. Again, he's pretty good, but the brawler that he's got is great and the long throw thing that he's got is great because it basically means he can throw weapons further, which if he's equipped with grenades, that is a really good one. But what really lets Evans down is he's repeating blaster because it's basically got the, the blister function, which is excellent because you ignore any cover uh, a victim that you get with it. But the fact it's got he's got the repeater function, that basically means he's got a minus two on his long range modifier. So because his shoot isn't he really that high, because he's already got the minus one. That's a zero, isn't it? Aye. So that basically takes takes it right down. Yeah. If you want to fire him at range, you've got to uh, fire him with an aim shot. It's the only way you can shoot at long range. So I agree. I suppose it falls into that category of um, what I was talking about before where you kind of work out which ones are good for close combat and one which ones are good for, for shooting and he's definitely close combat, no no, no argument there but Again, it's exactly what you're saying there because having the brawler it's obviously that he's meant to be a close combat guy, we're having that as a, an ability, but again he's a pretty good guy if he just wasn't armed with that, and it's, he's only gone to, he's not even got like a fallback like blaster, 
He's only got that weapon and it really went against him and I think it was about 14 when I played him. But I had to take a lot of risks and it paid off for him, you know, taking out as like a drone that was basically too far away and he couldn't he had to he had to keep trying to get his chip in the bag to get close enough to actually take it out. So again, depending on the game, to me it would need to be a game where he, he utilised cover as much as he could to get in close to an enemy and then reap the benefits um his brawler skill and obviously his fight's pretty good as well. Yeah, definitely. Next, I'll leave my favourite one to the end of this little load. <laughs> and then next, we've got uh, Studs Boys, which again, total basic guy, but he's only five notoriety, so he's relatively cheap. And uh, his is for the cause, his skill. He's totally committed to the success of the mutant army. If Studs is within three inches of any friendly mutant major character, when it is attacked, Studs can switch places and take the attack in their place. So that's very much like Wolf skill, uh, skill that he does with Johnny. But that's that's great. It's like a bit like the skill that you said you were potentially going to update the the Creelers, the Creeler bodyguards with. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to that. So again, that's just he's a basic character. He's he's a high power repeater blaster. Again, he's got the the minus two. So unlike Evans, he's not really supposed to be a, a fight guy. So that's kind of detrimental to him because he's he's fights he shoots only two as it is. Mm-hmm. So if he's not up close, he's, he can't shoot at all, unless he's doing, as you say, the aim shot to give him a chance. But that is quite a nice wee skill he's got. Yep. And nextly, we have Clacton Fuzz. Yep. Uh, Clacton Fuzz, I love the miniature, I love the character. Again, cheap guy, notoriety six. I loved him in the campaign, but again, he's got a better gun, he's got thwop gun, but it's high power, and that's what I like about him. He's got a high power weapon. Fair enough, he's... Defence is pretty low. It's two with the, the minus one, again, for like the hairy skill that he's got. Hairy ability, trait rather than ability, because it's basically it's detrimental. But again, if he's in fighting close, he gets a plus one resist in close combat, but it's minus one resist versus flame weapons. Yeah, watch out for that. <laughs> aye, aye. But leading from the front is a, a good skill. Because at f- first I didn't really realise what it is, but then I'm, most people get pinned if the amount of D6 rolled is equal to their cool. With him, you've got to be over it. It's got to exceed it. So that's a nice wee potential bonus for him, which I think might have featured in one of the games I did. But um, again, I, I like the character, but he is, he's just like Studs. He's a, a kind of basic guy, just but that wee high power on his gun gives him, puts him a wee ping me above buff Studs, but but what he's let down is the weakness he's got with the the basically the the fur because that's that's not good, is what I've seen with some of the the howlers as well because they share the same trait. One thing I've I'd noticed um, is that General Arms, Clacton Fuzz, and Studs Boys actually have a pretty good synergy together. Right. Reason being, basically, if you keep Clacton and Studs close to General Arms, Arms can obviously has that ability where he can return chips to the, the bag for minor characters or both minor characters. Yep, yep. Clacton, I, he's, he's sure it's actually, if, if he's at a kind of short range, he's actually really good from memory. Aye. So you could have him firing a couple of times if he was, if they were at short range and he's kind of close by to arms. Studs Boyce, again, he's basically, if you've got him next to arms, as you mentioned, that you can use that for the cause skill, which basically allows him. So if if, if the enemy is going to, they're, they're going to want to target general arms, 
because he's the one that's going to be returning all these chips to the bag. So if you've got studs there, he can basically take the hit and you've got arms doing that ability a bit longer. So I actually think the three of them have got quite a nice synergy if you have them working as a pack almost. It'd be interesting to play a game like that, you know, like a flashback game with having the, the mutant general characters going up against the Kralers. I've never done one like that, but that's one that I really will need to get on the table because I think using those three characters, as you said there, that way would be fantastic. It'd really be a good way to um, foil in the Creelers, basically. Yeah. And of course, the, our favourite, I think, for both of us from the Newton Generals pack is the, the torso from Newcastle. Oh, he's brilliant. I really... I, I've always loved the character. Something about... The, the, I've loved the, the fact that he, he communicates with sign language and there's some comedic bits in the actual strip with him. Mm. So I already love the character anyway, but he's very good. And basically, his stat card's really good. I mean, because he's... He shoots free, he fights free, he resists three plus one because he's got the no head mutation. The true, he's only got a focus front fire art, but that doesn't really go against him, really, because of the weapons he's armed with. Yeah, you can you can turn him in place anyway. It doesn't matter even if you're doing a, a name shot, you can still turn him in place. So, yeah, it doesn't matter really. I mean, he's basically he's got a gunfighter, so it basically means he could only really turn fire to someone that was using focus front fire art, whereas someone else that's got the gunfight fighter skill, it's just basically it's no go at that. Hindrance would basically be able to do it in just your, your front fire art rather than your focus front. But with him, the thing that I really noticed was see his weapons with a crackler variant. I think it's the Con Arms Assault Blaster Rifle. And it's only got free power, but it's the fact it's got a long range of 24. I mean, it's plus two for its short range of 12, which is pretty good. But the long range of 24 still has a modifier of plus one to, to hit. Mm-hmm. So what I know, see if you keep him back in a, as a sniper. Yeah. If you're going up against guys that's basically got blasters of a, a maximum range of 16, that is quite a considerable issue. If he's right in that 24-inch, it basically means they'll go to do either two move actions, depending where they are on the board, it basically means they've still got to do move actions to get to him. But he could keep backing off as far as he could and then basically just keep shooting. It's not even, does he even need to aim to get this bonus? It's the fact that he's always getting that plus one. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that with several times that I used him, he can just keep back and he can chip away at opponents and it's really brilliant. And it come up quite, I think in every bout I played with him and uh, I really, really enjoyed it. And it's brilliant, the fact is that he has got these abilities because I love the miniature, I love the character and it basically means I just want to play him a lot more, to be honest with you. Yeah, definitely. So he's one of my favourites. Without a doubt, as much as I love all the, the characters of the Mutant Generals, as a, a character to play, he's by far my favourite out of them all. <laughs> so getting on to the, <laughs> what I would call the core heroes of the, well, of the strip and the game. I think we start with Durham Red. Yeah, she's got the kind of uh, vampiric trait thing going on in the strip and in the, the game. I would just say, first of all, so far as stats are concerned, she's an excellent all-rounder. Oh, she's brilliant. She's fast, She's and she can react as quick as Johnny. She's got the dual guns, which gives her that option if she wants to do what we were talking about earlier on, and you, uh, adding an extra dice to the roll. But again, same as you, I tend to just fire the one shot. She's a star chip character, which is really important for a start. <laughs> Her bloodsucker ability, which is obviously really thematic, basically sees red draining the blood from a close combat victim to boost her cool by one. 
which puts her up to kill five. And Johnny's the only other character that has kill five in the game. So it, it's cool if you can get her to do it. It's getting her to do it. It's the, the, the tricky part. Aye. Obviously, she's got the gunfighter skill, which you know well documented now. And we think that's a great skill. It's probably the best skill in the game. And the fact that she's a vampire, she gets too close to windy characters. It, it limits some of her double actions, including the aim shot, which is a bit of a pest. <laughs> it's not really a big deal because I think you and I also agree that most of the time when you've got a character like Durham Red that's pretty handy with pistols anyway, you're probably more likely to do two snapshots than an aim shot. Occasionally you will go for an aim shot depending on what it is you're going after, but for me, you're better having the two chances to hit than having the one. That's the way I tend to look at the aim fire in general. Because if I'm using aim fire, I always throw the two dice into the damage to try and maximise the damage against the opponent. So I think uh, she's just a great, fun character, both in terms of the strip and, and in terms of the game. How did you find her yourself? Oh, fantastic. See, I love the, the fact she's got, see, because she's got that long barrel blaster. Well, both air blasters are both long barrel and she's no, got no minus modifier. I find in my games that that's really pipped it a lot of the time, that she's been able to hit because she's got a good shoot. And it basically means she's guaranteed to always have the free dice shoot up to basically her maximum range. So I think that's a great retreat. And it's the same thing that Darkus has got. I think the rest of the Howlers as well have got that. And it's it's really, really good because of that. One time I fell for the Vampire, it was when I was doing one of the games, and it, I forgot about that and ended up having to replay an entire section because I forgot that she couldn't do double actions uh, other than uh, charge or, or hunker down. The one thing about her, because she's got multiple skills, quite a difficult character to make sure that you're remembering all the things that she can either do or the things like Vampire, which is going to be detrimental to her. But again, stat-wise and uh, miniature-wise as well, just absolutely brilliant. And it's there's a reason that she's not a right to thirteen. She's basically one of the one of the top characters. Um, I love the fact she's got that seven inch movement as well. I mean, Johnny's the only other one that's got that, isn't it? She's a, yeah, she's a good foil, I think, for Johnny as well. If you're if you're going for that range combat thing, so I, yeah, I, I like that about her as well. And I suppose a bit of a kind of polar opposite to, to Durham Red is uh, the Tom Terror himself, Middenface McNulty. Bit of a favourite of both of ours, I think, yeah. I love Middenface. For obvious reasons, we have uh, links to this character. <laughs> <laughs> Aye. So, I really noticed with Middenface, you're talking about, again, notoriety 13, but it's the skills he's got, again, as you've mentioned before, tailor-made for brawler and obviously close combat. Yeah. It's reflected in his stats. Yeah, he's complete close combat character. I mean, he's he's got as a power four. You're very unlikely to hit at long range unless you're using a name shot because it's a minus two, mm. and he's only got a shoot at three. But at short range, it's pretty decent. You know, I mean, that's that's a shoot three plus two modifier at short range. So he is actually pretty decent if you can get him into short range combat. But then you also come into that territory of, well, maybe I should just charge with him <laughs> because that's what he's good at. <laughs> So obviously the brawler's skill, again, well documented, it's equivalent of the, the gunfighter, which makes him handy and a good rammy. The heat butt, uh, aka the Glasgow kiss, <laughs> I would say uh, it should be called. Um, which is, yeah, that's just perfect thematic ability, giving him that, is it a plus one, isn't it, it gives him? Ah, uh, plus one, yeah. Plus one in his fight. So, and, and also you can use that to stun characters. Aye. I have to say I've came very late to the game about stuns in this and Judge Dredd. I actually think they're really, really powerful. I didn't like them at the start because I just thought, well, they can shake them off so it's not a problem. But 
the great advantage about it is that you, you're guaranteed to inflict a stun. If you're up against somebody that's you basically want to make sure you at least handle them and that you don't think you're going to take them down in one go, I actually think using the stun function, whether it's in a gun or through <laughs> a headbutt in this case, it's, it's actually a very, very good tactic to use in the game because either the character's going to be hampered or they're going to have to spend one or two actions shaking it off. So two uh, headbutt attacks, and if you're successful in them, which you probably will be with mid and face, then you're guaranteed at least two stuns. And that's, So I, I think the stun option is, is pretty strong. Well, I've, I have noticed that in mind games, I must admit, there's been t- because the, you've got the Berserker skill, I think mid and face has is, is got that as well, isn't he? And, and that's where he ignores a, a wound isn't the first it's injury marker but if you're stunning a character multiple times that his stats is still affected by stuns it's only injury markers that he ignores and I've, I've noticed that you talking about the stuns on a see like when Torso was uh, taking pot shots at the Gregory character in that bout he kept stunning him and Gregory had the Berserker uh, skill just like Middenface and Wolf and he couldn't do anything about it because he was getting multiple stuns and then he was having to shake off a stun. It was meaning he couldn't move. So, like you, I've always felt that the stuns is a wee bit... Why would you care about stunning? Because they can shake it off. But if you're getting multiple stuns, it really, really slows you down. really does. Yeah. And I hadn't noticed that before. That's a really interesting technical point about that. But it's the first injury marker, not the first stun marker. I'd never noticed that before. So I think that's definitely an important one to note. Yeah, I just thought I'd rules check that there. So at stun weapons, you're basically, you're always guaranteed a stun, which is what I was saying. But anything that would normally be an injury marker on the damage chart, you're adding another stun result because of that. So in other words, if you normally would have dealt out one injury marker, you're actually going to be dealing out two stun markers. So it's a pretty good reason to use stun weapons. Yeah, it's something I've, I've realised very late uh, on in the process. Obviously, the big disadvantage is that you, you can shake them off, but if you've got a character that's, I mean, again, mid and face, perfect, straight in, probably going to inflict two stuns, probably, but it has abilities. And then if, if you do it two fight actions, four stuns, that's easily worth a lot more than you know, one or two even uh, injury markers, I think. So it, it's definitely something I wish I'd noticed it a lot sooner in the game. But yeah, get them up in close and personal is what I would say. And go heavy rage. So moving on then. Gronk. We've got a Gronk. <laughs> yeah, the Gronk. Uh, I always have him next to Wolf. I can account the two of them as a double act quite a lot of the time. I oh, oh my poor hearties. Um Gronks have notoriously weak hearts. If the Gronk suffers a pinned, stunned, or injured result, no marker is placed and it automatically faints instead. <laughs> it's just so thematic, it's brilliant. Yeah. He's remaining subdued until a model within one inch uses a shake off action to awaken it. The Gronk may not make attacks of any kind. It's absolutely brilliant uh, how they fought this up. Portable, this, that, it's just brilliant. A model within one inch of the Gronk can pick it up and carry it. The Gronk <laughs> occupying one hand until released. Note that the carrying model doesn't have to be friendly. <laughs> Being pinned, stunned or injured will force a model carrying the Gronk to drop it. It's just brilliant. I, I, I has the best medicines. The Gronk is possibly the best medic in the galaxy, maybe the universe. The Gronk can use the hunker down action to attempt to remove injury markers from a friendly model within one inch by making a resist test using the injured model stat. 
One injury marker is removed per armour result ruled. The skill can be used to revive incapacitated and subdued models. The fact he's got that skill, he's just basically a walking medipack. Yeah. You know, he can consistently use that skill. It's absolutely brilliant. Again, he's only one notoriety, isn't he? Because there's an error in this card that's got him as free, but I'm sure it's only one notoriety. It's, it was... No, it was actually the, the notoriety spot on because of his ability. It's the kill that's wrong. He's, he's listed as kill five. He's kill one. Yep, that's it. That's it. I was getting him confused with Silent Weird there because he's <laughs> one notoriety. That's right. Um, um, but I kill five. No chance. Yeah, try and keep him protected and have him. If somebody goes down, then he can cure the wounds. And, and being able to bring them back from the dead because that, that's basically like that chicanery card, plain dead, which is really powerful. So being able to do that, of course, keeping them alive is your, going to be your major concern. But I agree with you. It's just... This is one of the things I think really sung about the Astronium Dog Miniatures game that, you know, they totally read up in the characters and knew who who they were, what they were about, designed all these kind of perfect abilities that fit in with them and it's one of the things I I love most about the game. Uh, The balance, even like the core box, to me it's the best one they've done so far. I've not got a lot of experience with the others yet and I'm sure when I start playing them I will enjoy them. But I enjoy... The Strontium Dog one so much because I've always loved the characters, the story, everything about it. But as you said there, they have nailed it with every single one of these characters, even the smaller characters for who they are. And it shines in the game. And when you've got that, um, even the, the miniatures you get in the corset, you're talking about Johnny Wolf and the Gronk up against Bubba and his gang. It's just so balanced. It's brilliant. It's really, really good. It's a really, really pleasurable game. And of course, along with Gronk, Wolf is all usually by his side protecting him. Yeah, Wolf is another big favourite here. <laughs> He's brilliant. But again, I've not really had a lot of experience with Wolf, to be honest with you. But looking at his skills, he's really, really good. Yeah, he's really... I mean, I played him quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know he bit the dust quite early in the, the Kellen. But yeah, he's very similar to uh, Middenface in a lot of ways. And, and he is actually from memory slightly better he does have two of the three abilities that uh, Middenface has which is a berserker which means he can ignore that first injury marker and he's got the brawler which again you know what that's about he's got the we alluded to this earlier on lookout Johnny which I think that's a really nice touch if he's anywhere close to Johnny he'll take the hit rather than Johnny having to do so and because he's got that higher resist than Johnny it's, it's really handy to have and it, especially when he's got the uh, berserker as well because that's the other thing, if somebody's coming into close combat, Johnny, when he uses the lookout Johnny skill, he can then engage them in close combat and then his berserker comes into play. So they've got a nice synergy if Johnny is likely to be attacked in close combat. But basically, those abilities together mean he's just an absolute beast. The only thing that can really threaten Wolf in the close combat stakes for me as the Dervish Dogs, they are Aye. so powerful. Aye. They're the only ones that outshine them. Middenface is a close second. So the two of them, you've got a lot of options. You Obviously, thematically, you want them close to Johnny and they can soak up the hits for Johnny. But at the same time, it's a bit of a shame to use Wolf as a, a meat shield, I think. Aye. He's actually, I mean, he shoots pretty poor. But it's, it's no poor, it's average. Yeah. It's like two 
but he's still got four power in his gun, which is pretty good. And he's got the variable rule as well on it. Thematically, it's fantastic because the two of them work so well together. And what I love as well, he's got that two evade as well, which is brilliant. The happy stick, again, it's a close combat one-handed. He's got a long range function in the happy stick with four inch, which is brilliant. Yeah, you can, you can throw it's it. plus one. <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah, you you definitely want that in there because uh, he does that quite a few times in this strip. I tend to use him in Midden Face as a, if I've got the four heroes, basically, Johnny and Durham Red, the two of them are doing the kind of long range stuff. And I usually use Wolf and Midden Face as a kind of battering ram, basically, to get in amongst the enemies. So that tends to be how I use the four of them. To my shame, I haven't really used the Gronk enough, but I will use them more in the future, definitely. That'd be great, the trio with them but again it would be a fantastic game if you were putting up um, the three of them and Durham Red and Middenface as a, as a one team you know like a, a larger game obviously going up against like uh, some of the a couple of the, the premier bad guys but have a, loads of plebs around them see how that works out but again that would be interesting because you know with the, the whole Judge Dread uh, controversy you know with the things that I personally feel there's certain characters that's got evade that shouldn't have it I still think it would be more balanced than Strontium Dog because the majority of the playby characters haven't got evade. So it'd be interesting. I I will need to actually try that one out to see if that is an accurate assessment of that because you're talking about it'd be quite a large notoriety for the good guys there. You're talking about it must be about 60 notoriety. Probably more than that, aye. About 60, aye. Yeah, I I think it is round about that. The other thing I, I did, we should talk about this in a second. Let's just get into it. Johnny Alpha, <laughs> the game's hero, the hero of the strip and the game's hero, I would say. As you would expect, he is a top man, definitely. He's got that kill five that I mentioned earlier on, which that makes a big, big difference because, they, as we've mentioned before about the star chip, the chances of returning star chips, it's effectively a 50-50 chance if you've got your kill four at fully at four to return the chip. Goes up to sixty-seven percent with Johnny with that kill five. Considerable, exactly. So most of the time, I would go for broke with Johnny just because the law of averages says that it's you're going to get it, and so it's worth doing it. You've also, even if you do pin yourself doing it, you've got a pretty good chance of shaking it off next time you activate. So I would always go for it while he was at certainly at his full health. He's shoot is four which is really great obviously he's got plus one at short range minus one at long range you're still going to hit most of the time at long range you can use your aim shot if you were particularly worried about it i wouldn't i would um, unless it was uh you know if you were firing it, something that had a really high resist then i might use the aim shot to try and add extra dice to the power he's also got the gunfighter rule which again is great especially when he's so good with the guns the other interesting rules that he's got, so he's got well-equipped, which basically means if you take him, when armory cards are drawn, you can keep an extra armory card more than usual. Bit of a lottery, obviously, the armory cards, but it's better to have an extra one than not, so I would say. So that's a pretty great ability. But then he's also got his Johnny Weird Eyes, which reflects his ability to see through most objects. You see it in the, the strip, but it's it kind of it's like x-ray vision, I suppose, is the simplest way to do it. And then because he's got the variable, he can basically shoot through walls <laughs> and target characters that they can't see him, but he can see them. So strong, the character is so strong, but he's excellent. But the notoriety is reflected. You're talking about 22 notoriety for him. So um, there's a reason that he's that cost. Yeah, the other thing is that he's got the In My Head ability, oh, um, which is one of the abilities that he he doesn't really do it very often in the strip, so he can basically take control of an enemy if they fail their, fail their kill, kill test, isn't it? Yep. They've got to do it. Um, so he can make an enemy take a single action and they can effectively attack their own team. That's really good. Really good. That's really good. 
I suppose my problem with that, I don't particularly like that as a given skill. I think it would have been one of those ones. You couldn't really put it in the chicanery pack because it's not really chicanery, but it's one where you, because he doesn't really do it very often in the strip, it doesn't feel... And also the other thing that Johnny always does in the strip is he always tends to fight with honour. So it doesn't quite fit for me that you would be using that skill that way. It's a beardy skill. It's a skill that could be abused by a player that was wanting to basically play it a certain way. But I'm sure he's done it before he's caused the character to give away their position. So even if you were wanting to play it kind of more honourable way, say for example a character was on Overwatch, say, and you got in his head... If you make that character on Overwatch take any other action, he loses the Overwatch. So that action could be just move him. Yeah. Or, you know, there's other things that you could do. So it might not be automatically force him to shoot another guy, but by the wording on the card, you obviously can do that because it's any single action. But if you want to play it more thematically with the character, it's still a bonus to him. To me, the best one is a guy that's on Overwatch, get him out of Overwatch. Or a guy that's in heavy cover, move him out of heavy cover so not only Johnny can see him, because obviously he's got the variable, but if there's other members in the team that's in the area, if you move him out of heavy cover, they've got a better chance of killing him as well because he's no longer got cover. So it's, it is a good skill. I wouldn't use it a lot, but then I, I, I was forced to use it in one of the bouts because of circumstances, but it's really good. Yeah, I mean, obviously, situational, obviously. Just talking about when you mentioned Donald there, one of the problems I think some people, if they weren't invested in the source material the way that we are, you could play Johnny, you could be really, really gamey with him. You could basically sit at the very back of the board, sit in camp, fire through, you know, have no line of sight to guys, but just be sitting there plugging away at them, using these, um, his weird eyes and his variable blaster, or using the In My Head ability. So you could play him in a way which I just don't think he should be played in. I personally wouldn't ever do it. I would always want him in amongst the action. Johnny doesn't hide behind stuff. He gets in amongst it. It doesn't mean you need to play him stupid or kamikaze or anything like that. You can still put him in cover, but he would he would be out there, Aye. his head above the parapet is the way I would see it. So one of the things that I did when I did the, the blog post about him was I did like a couple of little... Um, tweaks one thing you could do is basically drop his, his second weapon and you could reduce his cost something similar happened with the judges and in, in the judge dread book where johnny was slightly i think he's slightly overcosted, and the reason is because he's got that second gun but with his shoot being so good you don't need the second gun so you may as well drop now get rid of that and basically reduce his cost i think it's three points when i when i worked out aye aye it's considerable yeah I personally would play him the way that the Johnny and the, the strip would go. That's That would be my, what I would want to do. Anything else you want to add about Johnny? No, all-round best character, and for a reason, as I say, because it's all about him. But the fact they've nailed it again with his abilities and his loadout is just excellent. He's really, really good. The pleasure to play this guy. But 22 not alrighty, as you're saying. It's by being able to reduce that, by getting rid of that gun, that would be a nice wee touch. Because it, like he never uses that secondary gun. There's no need for it. Yeah, you've got a high shoot anyway, so you're likely, you actually got a pretty good chance of pinning enemies anyway. So that's a quick fix for reducing his cost a bit and it makes it slightly more balanced. The other ones are actually fine because they're a good few points lower, even Wolf. So the, the balance is pretty good there overall in the Strontium Dog. I actually think the balance is great in the Strontium Dog miniatures game. Johnny's the one, the only one where I kind of was like, mm, it feels like he's a bit too costly. But on the other hand, I was playing them 
the way that Johnny and the Strip should behave. And I could have got a lot more out of my points by doing the kind of more cowardly way of dealing with it, or the gamery way, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> if you want to um, game it. But no, I, I really, really like him, and I don't mean to be overly critical about this, because I, I have a lot of fun. Well, Johnny's just a no-brainer to me. He's got to be in. Anytime I'm playing Strontium Dogs, he's got to be in there, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so that... I think I think that's comprehensive. I don't think we've missed anything. No, that's it. It's everybody. I, I think we've covered everybody. So yeah. I hope that's of help to people that are um, that want to know how the best way to play these these characters. And let us know. Comment, please, if you find anything useful that you've already learned something new. Please do comment in the video or whatever you see the podcast. So moving on then, uh, in the next part of the show, we're going to talk about Alan's landmark campaign, the killing and. The first thing I'd want to say is, if you haven't watched the last video, which is called Retribution Part 3, please go back and watch that first, because the next section is going to be heavy on the spoilers. Yeah. So switch this off now if you don't want to know the results. Okay. <laughs> so in that last episode, let's not beat about the bush. Johnny Alpha dies. Reactions included, I'll never forgive you. You're pure evil. You destroyed my childhood. And... Those were just my comments. What have you got to say for yourself, Alan? I, oh, I, I do apologise, but what I will say is, oh, all I will say is, see when the dice rolled, I have never been so close to ignoring a dice roll conveniently in my life. And I, I was walking about the room, swearing like a trooper. Unbelievable. It was, and uh, my wife was doing it. She's, she's like, what's up with you? What's, and, and I had to walk away and come back to it. And then when I come back to it and I, I went over things in my head, the way things had went, I mean, as one of the guys, potentially Neil, I think it's maybe Neil commented, the result, the victor, the only one person that survives, it just seemed to go the way that the virtual reality ending went. And, I, and that's why I thought to myself, this is meant to be, this is meant to happen. And that's why I ended up, I just went with it. But... We read going, that was it was bad enough. Because to be honest with you, when the characters got to that stage, a bit like yourself, I just automatically, I was seeing how it would go in my head before I played the last scenario. And I just seen that the premier, three characters, Red, Midface and Johnny, were going to make it out. Mm. But when Red went, I thought, oh my, I can't believe that let's go her. Because I purposely included a lot of the other characters because the majority of them were getting hit left, right and centre. And they were getting taken out, but they were taking up the shots of the Creelers, shall we say, with the T-guns. Mm. But then when Red got it, I was thinking, oh my God, but the fact that Johnny failed his evade and failed his cool. But again, part of me wanted to keep Johnny back, but I couldn't do that because he's the type of character that would be going out there and doing it and leading, leading from the front. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I knew that he had, I knew that the droids were going to be a problem. And because he had that melter bomb, I realised I've got to get him up there close to take one of them out. Or I actually thought at that stage it was going to be the gun platform was going to be a problem. But that's the one thing that may go unnoticed in the, the story. Red, or right, she dies relatively quick, but Red took out one of the droids and the gun platform. Mm -hmm. And because of that, if she hadn't, they would have wreaked even more havoc. I wanted it to be tough. I wanted it to be a real challenge because at the end of the day, when I conceived it, in the very first chat we had about it, I had made the, the statement that there was only going to be one victor. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how the storyline was going to progress 100% of that. In my mind, the original ending was always going to be, depending who it won, it was always going to be that they were going to be leaving. The scenario was going to end with them going to be leaving for the spaceport. And as they were leaving, 
at that stage it was going to be all the strontium dogs entered and mentioned strontium dogs were coming in to take out the Crimson King and it was going to end in a bit of a cliffhanger because they let you understand these characters were, were roleplay characters that I played for for three years with a collection of friends um, Saggy, Maggie, Hard Nose, uh, Smiler quite a few of the other characters and all the other strontiums who featured in that bout there they were all premier NPCs so when they were dying even though it's no really noticed to the viewer because they're characters that just come in a lot of them I was going oh my god just lost Catman we've just lost Forex and I'm like because they weren't the player characters but they were NPCs uh, quite premier NPCs but originally I was just going to play that out with the boys in a role play and it was never going to the viewer was never going to really find out what happened it was going to end in a bit of a cliffhanger but that was before it really took legs it got dead ambitious with the, the special effects the storytelling style the maps everything got bigger than I planned and originally as well because it was a, a, another dimension Johnny Alpha wasn't necessarily going to be the good honourable Johnny Alpha that we know Today, I was going to make it at a backstory plan that the one thing is that, see, the, the fact is that he lost his mother. He still had a mother's love. He lost his mother, but he still was cared for by his mother and he had a lot of experience by his mother in the original strip. In this one, I was going to make it that his mother had died in childbirth, actually. That was going to be the one difference so that, that he'd never really been shown any affection mm -hmm. from a sister, from a mother. He'd, he'd, always, he'd been raised with hatred and I was going to make it that he was a lot more ruthless. But then when the story started telling itself through who was making it through about, I realised it's as if fate's saying to me, no, Johnny's not going to be a potential bad guy or a potential grey area guy. He's going to be a good guy. He means well. He always will mean well. He had a plan to get him, Wolf, and the Gronk out, which was why I wrote in the wee bit about they had the time bomb hidden and a pouch in the Gronk's stomach. And they were going to use that at a certain time to get them out. He was going to claim the reward and then they were all going to walk into the sunset. Bear in mind, they didn't know that his pals, Middenface and Durham Red and all that were in it because they didn't get to see the actual participant list until you were in it. So I wrote in that whole plot. But the whole thing about the Crimson King getting taken the mutant generals, it was wrote in when Torso and Evans were progressing. And then I realised, I've got to do a wee bit of explanation why how, how these guys who were close, close battle comrades, why would they be in the killing when they know they're going to have to kill one another? So that was why that whole, the Crimson King, they were they had teamed up with the Strontium Dogs and they were the kind of inside men to take them down. That was why that was invented. And I'm so glad it was. I'm so glad that fate took it down that path because it added a gravitas to the actual, the entire story. Mm-hmm. And that was why, that was another reason why I, I, I didn't fudge the role when Johnny got it, because I just realised that it's been dictated, the dice rolls have dictated every outcome and every bout, good or bad. And I can't, I can't, I've got to be true to it, even though I didn't see it in my head and I was very angry myself. And uh, basically, I knew I would need to play the entire thing again. At least Middenface survived. At least one guy survived. And to be honest with you, it should have been Middenface if you were going by the actual competition. The way it worked out and the actual ending, which I planned to always make the, the VR ending when the story was going how it was, he was the winner in that. So I would have been even more gutted if Middenface had died there because it would. Have, I could picture viewers looking at it and going, all right, so you obviously didn't want Middenface to live. So you've just went, no, no, I'll change the ending so that he goes there and somebody else wins but the fact he was the guy who won it was as if no fate 
No, he was going to win. And again, the whole reason I went doing the virtual reality part with that mission, at first that wasn't going to be there. But then I remembered I gave the promise that there was only going to be one victor and everybody was going to see who it was, who was either the luckiest or the strongest. And that's why I went, no, I need to do that. And at first I was going to do the entire Retribution saga and then I was going to do a what if ending and do it like this is how it would have played out if they had all fought one another. And then I thought, no, I can go down the path of the virtual reality thing and have it that the Crimson King's done it to try and get bets in and money coming and income because people will be placing bets upon seeing it and I thought for an art point of view it worked in brilliant and it added an extra kind of sleazeball side to his character there the fact he was doing that so I thought that's why I did it what I did and also you get the shock factor because people were initially watching it and going oh no they're all killing one another where's the story man you know and what's happening here <laughs> no I mean it, it was an interesting one that because the the final Let's let's just be honest about it. The comments were <laughs> people were pretty upset. I people were very downbeat, shall we say, very beat. It was interesting to me because throughout the whole thing, I was the same as the viewers overall. I didn't know who was going to survive at any point, but the final, I did know that there was going to be the three-part epilogue. So when the final was happening, there was a couple of points where I thought, "Is this actually happening?" And then I thought, "No, it's not," because everybody's killing each other now. But it was only because I knew there was going to be another three episodes. Aye. So I was I was actually not put out about it. I just thought, no, that's cool. Because I would have felt, had the story just stopped with the five of them just going off to fight the Crimson King, I would have been, I felt kind of cheated. Aye. Because you didn't see what I promised. I promised that there was there was only going to be all, all right. It's like you could play the five of them again, and it could be a different result because it's, it's dictated by the dice roll. But in retrospect, see if the five of them did have to fight, you would have probably multiple guys teaming up in Johnny, right? Because Johnny's the best one. They would try and get rid of him, and that's the way it worked too. And again, see all the positions in the map as I did with every participant. They were random positions here, starting position. What edge of the map you come on? That was all decided by a dice roll. Who started where? So it just so happened that where Johnny started, he was he was in between buildings. He had multiple guys coming at him from everywhere. So I, I've got a funny feeling that it might have even worked out the same because Johnny was actually getting really lucky as he is because he's got he's evade, he was dodging things, he was but basically it just his luck went and see if his luck goes at a certain time and he gets wounds and then Middenface was able to get in close but again Middenface should have died there but there's one time Johnny shoots point blank and he gets his single evade dice and see when it come up even though it wasn't that important to me because I knew that we were going to have the ending but see when this come up I went that's amazing he's been able to get in close plus he was he had the Mac Mac that he'd just taken so it upped his fight and he was able to get in, he just leathered him. It was a fact, it was Johnny, basically Middenface, that incapacitated Johnny. I mean, he was dying, he wasn't actually dead, because a lot of you had been taking with stunts, but he was dying, he was out of the competition. But again, what's brilliant about it is, this is a computer algorithm, shall we say, it's been put together by like, the computer of the Crimson King. But they know that Johnny and Middenface would never have done that. But that's why I'm hoping that some of the viewers go, what's going on here? Maybe even getting a wee bit angry going, what's happening? He was, he was weaving <laughs> a story. And they definitely and did. Yeah. <laughs> 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 was, one of the guys was at Neil saying about when he saw Durham Red on the spikes. <laughs> Again, but I wanted to get, even though a lot of it was unappealing sight, shall we say, because I'd went the full whack doing all character deaths, embellishing all character deaths visually, 
I felt I needed to do that as well. I had a, I loved doing the Calamari stuff. I quite liked Calamari's character because um, he just he was again a character created by my good friend Kevin Blackmore, and he was the only one that got he got much further than I actually thought he would. But see, when he was hiding behind that monument and a torso shoots a monument down on him, I was it was harking back to what Johnny does with a life wire. Yeah, to I think it's KC Osmong. Um, and he goes the chimney he goes like that right. in the chimney he cuts through the chimney and it falls on him that's the vibe I was going for with that so I loved doing that one even though it was uh, he was the first one to go but again that would have happened he would have been the first one to go because they would have all went for him first because he was a who are you you're a player we don't know you you know so you're going to go first you're the one we we're, we're least fond of so you're going to go first but I tried to embellish the deaths as much as I could visually because I'd done it all the way through. Yeah, I mean, it was great. I, I liked all the death sequences, particularly the falls. It was always fun for me to edit those little sections. I mean, it was very simple for me to edit them, actually, because all I was doing was stitching your... I mean, that's what the videos were. It was just me stitching your pictures into a video format. So all the work was done by you, really, the lion's share. So I always appreciated those touches and all the effects that were in the thing, and I, and I just thought that was great. I suppose, obviously, because we'd had that reaction with the final, I was really concerned with the last episode because I knew somebody was going to die. You hadn't told me who, but... So when Red bought it, I was kind of like, OK, there's going to be a price to pay for fighting the... Um, but I think you triggered my PTSD from the final solution. <laughs> <laughs> I was so upset with the comic. I remember being like, totally like, why did they do this? I mean, I, I still think they should never have allowed that to happen. And it's interesting, you know, John Wagner was trying to undo it for years. He has said that. I mean, it was the episode was beautifully written. You know, the way it reflects back and Johnny reflecting on his life and but the episode ends where I'm getting stabbed and you're thinking, right, he's still alive. But then you get the next week and that's when it's the opening page. I'm getting drained and all you see is his skeleton. I was just totally stunned because bear in mind, I was thinking, right, after seeing Wolf's death when Max Bubba, Bubba kills Wolf and it's left and for a week you're left in limbo and you're thinking, I'm thinking, they've, they've killed Johnny and they've killed Wolf. That's so downbeat. But the next week you come back and you're like, oh, Johnny's still alive and it's great because he's used that skill before when he was fighting Billy Joe. So it makes sense. It's brilliant in the fact that they've remembered and they've put that in. So even though he was penetrated by these big devil claws and this big Lyrian beast they've created through the powers of their mind, I was like, Surely there's some way he's no gonna be 100% dead. But when I seen that the next week, and I can still remember it, my granny, I used to go up my granny's, she ordered it for me, and I sat and I opened that page and I was like, what? I was stunned. And it was everybody was talking around me and I'm sitting in my comic like that. He's gone, he's, he's dead, he's, he's, that's yeah. it. I couldn't believe it. I, I mean, couldn't believe it. I suppose so I, think I can understand. From the uh, episode point of view, I think once I get over the initial shock of it i came around to it the one thing that made me feel a lot better about it was it was the one time in the, the entire series where i dropped the sound out oh when that happened and it there was just something about that that gave it kind of a lot more weight and a lot more i don't know i just was i just felt a lot happier about the sequence when i did that i, I know that sounds weird but i know it was fantastic what you did see when i was watching the rough cut when you sent me it because obviously I was, I was a bit pinging myself because I'm thinking, what, how's the reaction going to go? And then I thought to myself, no, I've got to stand by my guns. It's not as if I just did this and I've did this to annoy everybody. Oh, here's a guy you love. I'm just going to kill him. Ha <laughs> ha. I'm not doing it because of that. The game was dictated by the dice and I, 
I'm no gonna cheat in something so big, but when I watched the video, I was like, this is perfect. And I says, it's right. As soon as I finished watching it and you had all the sounds right and everything, I went, absolute brilliant. And I said to you, masterpiece, I think was the word that I used. Well, it was most, I mean, again, it's 90% your stuff, so it was only a few flourishes. It was brilliant. But what, what I mean is your delivery for the delivery of the ending, even though it's bittersweet and it's, uh, it's sad uh, in a way that the characters, at the end of the day, it's a series of battle reports. But it's good when you're able to get these emotions, even for something as simple as a series of battle reports. I think it's really, really good. And I think it's a very well-rounded story. It's a bookended story. You've got the killing, and then you've obviously got the fight to bring the Crimson King to justice. But as, as you say, it had to be difficult to bring him to justice because it had to be high drama, which I, I try to reflect. And obviously the T-Guns were way overpowered. I would never feel them in a normal game. But I was trying to create that feeling of hopelessness that they had in the battle of, of a Minster when they were brought out. Because they were just the equivalent of normal blaster guns, but they had a range of blaster gun, but they just anything they hit. I mean, even if you were hit in the arm or you were hit, maybe even though you hit in the head, hitting a chunk of the side of your body, you were still dead because it was taking that chunk and obviously propelling it into space. Yeah. And they get decimated in that charge. So that's what I was trying to, re to reflect on it. But even having said that, even though I knew it was going to be difficult when I come up with the concept, still in my mind's eye, I still seen Johnny and I hoped Middenface at the very least, even though I would lo I love the red character and I wanted it to come out. But I thought it would have been so unfair if Middenface, after winning the virtual reality ending, as it would have went if I just played it, if he'd have died. If he'd have died, the only way I would have allowed it you know, I would have accepted it, no allowed it, accepted it would be if he was in the situation he saved Johnny by sacrificing himself. That would have had a kind of bittersweet feel to it. But as it worked out with him taking out the Crimson King, and even the Crimson King's death that you did, the screams <laughs> and the ripping sounds, it's horrific. You know, when I come up it's absolutely horrific. Even when I come up with it and I went, I've got to get this really, you want this upstart to get really get his comeuppance here. And I, um, so when I had the concept of him going through to like understand when I shot the, the ending, it initially ended the, the night's shoot, the night, it took hours to shoot that, the main battle. It initially ended with the Crimson King going through the teleporter and obviously the Strontium dolls going after him. Then I froze it and I went, next week, I'll need to decide where it's taken him because it's a random location in the map, all the killing grounds. And then I'm thinking, right, what one can I make? And then I started getting a wee bit, right, it's a bit time conscious. I can't make it certain maps because they're too difficult to set up. There's no much reason and it just came to Neverglades. It's harking back to the confrontation in the Gronk affair with the Weird Brothers. I love, I've always loved the concept of the Neverglades. Plus then I thought, as soon as I fought the Neverglades, I goes, it's great. Initially, how he was going to die was all the mutants were all going to get together and go snake the bonus, as they said, and just shoot him. Yeah. But that would have been far too similar to Nelson Bunker Creelman's death. And I thought, no, I don't want to do that. So how can I do it? And then I thought, as soon as I'd worked out it was the Neverglades, I went, he's stuck in a bog. He can't go anywhere and they watch on as the creatures come. And originally it was going to be just one creature, but then I looked at the ones I'd no used and I seen I had that kind of T-Rex <laughs> on a shelf and I went, he's coming in or not. <laughs> originally it was a big millipede that was getting them, but when I had the two of them kind of tug of war, it was like harking back to Jurassic Park, the, the, the Lost World, when um, the, the RV goes over and the wee guy's trying to save him two T-Rexes come in and they're kind of fighting over the one wee guy but I thought that's the kind of image that came to my head but when I was doing the special effects I was like right, I've got to make this kind of gory so that people go yes he's dead but when you put on the special effects the sound effects 
I was like, oh, that's brilliant. It's really horrific. Well, that was my revenge for Johnny Alpha dying. I, I wanted to make sure that was as horrific as possible. Aye, and it was. It was brilliant. <laughs> because I wanted it for, for my own... <laughs> <laughs> it's just what you get. It's brilliant. So, yeah, I had a lot of fun. There was a lot of sounds and that layered up just to try and make it as brutal and as horrific as possible because that's what I wanted. <laughs> and it was, a, it was a good bookend and then even with the, the characters walking out of the, the, the swamp and I was trying to get a wee bit of the, you know, the, the kind of when Dredd and Johnny are walking after Judgment Day and who's going to mess with us, you know? Mm. So I was trying to get that wee bit of the kind of backstory with other kind of characters and then just when Maggie says that we're faced worse today and it's just how Midface says I a red robe devil deal as he calls it who's not exactly where he belongs in hell you know where the others but the final lines just came to me and the actual obviously when he sees all the, the spirits his friends run him it's basically his, his reflections yeah I really liked that when that was there and I'm saying uh, for once when have you ever known Midface to turn down a bevy and he's like this is the one time because he's like there'd be too many ghosts to go with the spirits you know, and I just thought that line, it shows how deflated Midface is we are. But I was trying to have that thread all the way through the story because the doghouse has still been destroyed. So this is a period, even though it's another dimension, the vast majority, about 90 odd percent events have transpired the same way in this dimension as what they would be in the dimension we know for the comics. So the doghouse is still destroyed. So it's a period where the GCC is in turmoil. The strontium dogs have been like abolished obviously they get brought back a few years later because the norms need them but I was trying to reflect that that all of a sudden these dogs are all fighting for the poor bounties they've got no one to regulate it so that's why loads of them have actually put forward for the killing and uh, the Crimson Kings obviously have more than happy to accept them because he knows they're either going to be great fighters plus he loves having mutants in it because he hates mutants because it was mutants that orchestrated his downfall and again see all that storyline with him it was covered in across the three years of the role play that I did with, with my friends and he was the one guy he was the head of this Jaeger Corps company and he was the one guy who, all the chief shareholders of that company he was the one guy that never found out his true identity and he got away he disappeared and I had always imagined doing this round up storyline as a one off a kind of last hurrah for the Strontium Dogs as they were approaching retirement but when I decided to do the killing when obviously the Warlord game came out I thought I can tie all this together and then the thought of having the way the story was gone, like Johnny, Red, Middenface were all making it to the end. I thought, oh, fantastic. I can have them teaming up with the Strontium Dogs for the role play, and it'll be a, a good wee finale for it. But again, I never expected that it was going to go as, as uh, grim for poor Johnny as, as things transpired. Total shock. Yeah, I actually think it's a, a big compliment that in a strange way that I was upset. And it was because the series for me really recaptured the kind of classic days for me of Strontium Dog. And because the characters had, had went through such a journey, that's why it hit me hard when they didn't all make it. I was desperate for them to make it. <laughs> so... I think that's a, an incredible th thing you've achieved there because this is miniatures. It's a miniatures game. It's a battle report. It's not, Aye, it's not supposed to... It's nice to hear that. It's nice to hear that. But again, uh, even though they're the characters that we all love, that was another reason because, I mean, see how when I was actually shooting it, a lot of people would have made Johnny in every episode rather like the original strip because it's Strontium Dog, Johnny Alpha. But the reason that I told it as I did, I wanted to make it more an ensemble piece featuring different characters. Because to be honest with you, seeing Johnny's first bout when he went up against Sticks, he came very close 
close to getting it because he got wounded and he just got a bit of good luck. Stix was coming up in him and it was great because I thought I was sweating because I was thinking, Johnny's going to go here. Stix is going to be like a prime runner. When it didn't work out that way and Stix ended up getting killed, it was great because it created a good wee sequence. Also, it was a great sense of relief for me because Johnny was progressing. But that was why it was like I always tried to give everybody a bit of breathing space in it because I honestly didn't know. Some people would have maybe thought that I wangled things and ah, Johnny Alpha wins his, Midden Face wins his, Red wins hers, you know. But to be honest with you, that's just how fate dictated that you go. They're better characters. There's more chance they're going to survive because they are better. And it was totally reflected. Equally, you get some of the plebe guys like Losik and Volo the Howler. They progress really, really far in the competition. And look at them. They were basic characters. But that's what I really enjoyed about doing it. Because when I was shooting it, even though it was taking hours and it was quite an ordeal to do it. And we shoot it most Sundays that I was free. I enjoyed it because I was getting to see... I was like the audience. I didn't know who was going to make it out of this. And again, with, with some of the maps, setting up the maps and getting the scenery. I spent a lot of money because I bought a lot of scenery, but that'll be getting put to good use when I do my Walking Dead one, But uh, thankfully. But uh, one of the hardest ones was the one that I had with Vicious Malicious on the monorail in the middle of the desert, speeding train. Because she's setting that map up because it was up off the ground. It kept off on apart. <laughs> because I had to join it all with like uh, bits of plasticine and, and then no move the table because it kept off on apart. Oh, man. And it, thankfully, it turned out that it was a very short bout. I think it's a memorable bout, but it's one of the shortest. I think it only lasts for like about 20 minutes. But part of me was really relieved because I thought, right, go to the visual impact of this. Got a couple of good character deaths. A wee bit of character building for Vicious Malicious because I've always loved his, his character. Even though he's only got a couple of lines in it, I've always loved the, the look of him. And uh, I always got a sense of arrogance. That's how I played him in that. He was a flipping, past remarkable, cocksure guy. And it's just that with that line when he's charging in, uh, he's fighting the Osmongs and he's coming out. They've shot in the, the gas bomb and he's charging out and one of them shoots somebody down to grab pill. And it's just what he's saying. It's as if they say, I'm still tough and you can't kill me. You know, so I, <laughs> that's why I decided to play him with this kind of arrogant attitude so when I was able to do about 23 I think it was and it was over quick I was like oh thank god it means I've still got the visual impact to this plus I don't need to try and mess about because I kept hitting the table and it would fall out <laughs> and I'm thinking oh no and another one when I had the Steel Krieg in the train car as well in the downtown section again with Vicious Malicious and Red and Midden Face going up again the scenery looks good it's very it's kind of flimsy I think you're supposed to glue it all together but if you glue it all together it's all set in the one track and it looked fantastic but when you're having it like this and you've got to be able to pack it away in, in a box I, I honestly I can't, can't glue it together I've not got that luxury so when I was setting it up I'm like oh my god this is a total utter nightmare the train cab kept falling off so another reason why I had uh, Steel Creek such a spectacular death when he got blown up and again it was your touch when you said about the barrels that added that was brilliant because I hadn't initially put them on you know the, the barrels flying up with, with the explosion inspired by London's burning episode about 30 years ago that I saw <laughs> was it? <laughs> it was one of the fires it was a, a scrapyard and they had all these bad the uh, Carol Gask bottles so that was where that came from it always stuck in my head I was never really a fan but ah, it's amazing the wee things you take inspiration for so it's a wee things like that but again when I was doing them that was one of my, my favourite deaths as well that whole sequence and then Vicious Malicious getting it after it falling into the burning train and all of that 
had really a lot of fun working out the deaths. And again, sometimes they were... One of the things that I was thinking about nine when he... I think it's Deke Quincy, a plebe human guy, and a brute shoots him with an anti-grav pellet and he, he falls over the, the cliff. But see, doing that shot, that took me all a Friday afternoon. He did that one shot. And then I'm thinking, what am I doing? He's a plebe no-name guy. But then when I thought, but it looks good. It looked great when I got it done. Yeah, quite often when I received these, I, I thought the same thing. What are, why are you spending all this time doing all these effects? <laughs> my, like, I couldn't believe some of the stuff that was coming in. It was just like, this is insane. But great. Like, from a, you know, it's, it's brilliant for me. It was just like, the whole thing overall was just a pleasure for me to edit and, and see what was going to happen next. The same as MD, you know, but like how you found it playing the thing. And then I had the same experience actually getting the thing and seeing what happened and, you know, checking anxiously have the heroes won. <laughs> aye, aye. <laughs> but I never, I never cheated it. I never looked at the end of it. I always did it in order because I wanted the same experience as the audience. Because well, from my point of view, I mean, I, I'm sending it through. Yeah, I was enjoying it. And then I'm like, maybe I'm just enjoying it because... I like pretty stuff, um, for want of a better phrase. I like um, stuff that's a wee bit different, a wee bit out there. But hearing somebody else and the way you were actually watching it and no wanting to ruin the end, that's when I began to realise other people are hopefully enjoying us. If Gordon's liking it, hopefully other people. And then when we were getting a wee fan base mm -hmm. and Comet and like, Tamsin and Neil Jarden, and uh, you know, it, it's, it was great having this because it inspires you to do more. And, and because this was originally it was something I always wanted to do with the killing and I've always had an interest in telling one to six scale stories as my Dark Kid Productions Facebook page will show but um, it's it rekindled my love of it he tells stories in this way it, it's great to actually to have this the feedback and to have people appreciating what you do it makes it all worth worthwhile yeah, I really appreciate the particularly the regular audience that we had but there definitely were people who were tuning in all the time who didn't comment, but they're equally <laughs> appreciated the fact that they did. Everybody that backed us have tuned in religiously for the, every two weeks for a, a new episode. Personally, I'm very proud to have been a, a small part of it. I'm very proud that it's on the channel. Oh, no, massive part of it, massive part of it. I mean, the story would have existed in a picture version in my computer, like so many of my other work is, is all sitting there. You putting it into the medium that you did, the video style with the sound effects and the music, a big thanks to John as well. Absolutely brilliant. It was, it was brilliant. It elevated to a position a way higher than what I'd initially pictured it in my head. So that's what was fantastic about it. And it's why I'm uh, hopeful that our next endeavour will follow a similar route. Yeah, I suppose that's something we should discuss. Just to say overall, I don't think there's anything else like this series I've ever seen for game reports that have such a strong narrative, such strong characters, brilliant effects, great stuff. Stuff that involves you and always wanted to see it every time it came in. I was desperate to see what happened next. So <laughs> I think it's what you've achieved is, is incredible. Thank you. And especially the scale of it as well. Just every aspect of it, it was you could see the love that went into it. And uh, yes, sorry if I was upset about Johnny at the end. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. But I knew it. I knew it because you were like, oh, Johnny, go Johnny. And all that. I was getting comments and then yeah. nothing. Uh, right? yeah. And I was sitting up my voice, see? And I was like, nothing. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> He's got a section. Yeah. He's got a section. 
And it was, I was away, I was away at my walk and it was a back of my mind because obviously it was a thing to me as well. I didn't want it to happen and, and that. And then obviously I got your initial message, oh, I think this is a mistake, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I'm doing the blah, blah, blah. But what I mean is I was like, oh, I was right. My instincts was right. Yeah, being honest, I, I would have preferred a fudge there. That's, what I, that's the only thing I would have done differently. But as I say, once we actually edited it together, I actually enjoyed it a lot more. Once I was past the shock, <laughs> past the initial shock, shock as I say, and as I say, it was much more about the, the final solution. I think that was still uh, in the back of my mind. But anyway, as I say, I don't want that to detract from it. And I think that was the other thing I was worried about, that people would react badly because I, I wanted you to get the plaudits for and the recognition for what the huge achievement that it is. You know, the massive amount of time that you sunk into it. That was why I, I was desperate for Johnny to go on a rampage and, and just take everybody out. So, anyway. <laughs> Actually, that's the way I saw it in my head, and that's what I wanted. But it's, some of the best TV shows are unpredictable, and I'm no comparing the killer to a TV show, but what I'm meaning is there's some things that happen in some of the best TV shows that we've liked, and they're shocking, and they're, you get people, fans, outraged because certain characters die. But I've always been in the mindset unpredictability is a key factor in life and I know you watch TV shows and read books as a bit of escapism but I always like the high drama you never really quite know who'll make it out so part of me when it happened with Johnny I was like well as much as I'm devastated when once I process, process that I was like well the good guys don't always win and for anybody sitting out there thinking that I was fudging roles all the way through this just so Johnny would become the victor well there you go that's a prime example so part of me when I looked at it that way I was like no glad but I was more accepting because it was like it puts a bookend on everything and that's what's happened and everything what happened all the way through it so all the way roles that you thought when it's 50-50 like when Middenface was running to, for the, the nook to get into that sewer grid 50-50 whether he was making it it was supposed to happen for a reason because at the end of the day he was the overall victor and um, the way it was fated the way it was whatever your belief is in that uh, to me looking at the whole thing as a big tapestry the way it worked out was fated to go that way and all you need to do as I said before is look at the virtual reality ending and look at the who survived it and who would have thought it when I started that even though Middenface is one of my personal favourite characters because he is Scottish because I've loved his part throughout all the strips I never ever thought that it was going to be him yeah I didn't either even though he's a pretty good character I thought Middenface would have survived his first two bouts and went before the semi-finals which he almost did he came close to it when he was going up against Vicious Malicious and nearly died uh, and again I could have made him take the hangman route but no he could have healed himself but he didn't heal himself because he wouldn't have left Red in the lurch because Red was close to death and if he had healed himself the chances are Vicious Malicious his ship was coming out next and he was going to shoot and kill Red because she I think she had one health left and I thought no he's just going to no heal himself and try and shoot and it worked out because he ended up, he managed to take him out. But in that sense, that's what, like you were saying about Johnny earlier, you've got to play true to the character. And that's why I did that. He's an uncouth lout, as he's been called many times, <laughs> but he's a very loyal, friendly character. And if he's your pal, he'll stand by you uh, thick and thin. Absolutely. So um, it was great. But as I say, it was a great experience to do. A lot of hard work. And it's just good that it's up there and it's out there and people can hopefully appreciate it for many more moons to come. Yeah, it's there forever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if it gets my work appreciated as well, that's a wee bonus, you know. Obviously, my name in the map a wee bit and get people to potentially check out some of my other stuff, you know, that that's another bonus for me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're a writer as well, so I hope people check that out. I've always got the links under the videos as well, so 
I was just saying to you, my zombie novels are soon be coming out. No more room in hell. Check them out on Amazon. So they'll be coming out soon. But again, our next endeavour, shall I share that with them, Gordon? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, our next endeavour is going to be uh, Space Hulk, the nineteen. 19- 89 version and for all those who this was the game that put a lot of board games on the map it's still one of the best games I've not played it in years and I got interested in it again when uh, Gordon was was doing his uh, battle reports with Chris and uh, I just thought you know what I'm going to play that again and uh, I decided I'm going to do my own campaign based on the initial missions with some own wee twists now it's harking back it's nostalgic it won't be as heavy on the special effects but it's heavy on the story and the action non-stop action of basically any Space Hulk game really really close cut very well balanced game with Space Hulk and um, I've really enjoyed that it's all short I'm just starting to put it into video form so again I've tried to do it with it going in the nostalgia route and it's going to be only with the miniatures that I had from about 1989 to about 1992 93 so I've dug them all out so they're all on the table all the old Rogue Trader miniatures <laughs> So I'm hoping that people will enjoy that as much as they enjoy the killing. You know, it's uh, going to be a, like a roller coaster ride. I know it because I've shot it and how the story progresses, it's pretty good. And even for just fans who just checking in a game, I think it'll be good because if you're fans of like Suicide Mission, Rescue, Decoy, I think's one of them, all the initial six missions in the book, and then I've got some of the Deathwing ones in there, it's going to be fun. And uh, maybe not as much of the old uh, base removal and special effects, because when you're doing that for every Gene Steeler kill, I think it would uh, get a bit tedious and, and be far too much time. You know, it's different when you've got 100 participants in the killing, but you've got like maybe 100 participants die every bout. You know, sorry, 100 gene stealers die in every one of these missions it would take too much time but you've got the essence of the story you'll have the wee bit of character building and the excitement and and again I've not fudged roles <laughs> what you see is what it is I'm not just suddenly going oh you know what I'm going to change that dice roll what you see is a couple of times I've made mistakes but the vast majority the dice that you see that's how it went the result is always the result that, that came up but um, so hopefully everybody will tune in for that hope so yeah so that'll be another epic series coming away uh, for the new year for, yeah exactly well I think it'll be I don't know maybe February March time get quite a few different series that are in development so the channel is going to be going quiet but it doesn't mean we're done not by a long shot there's going to be loads of new series uh, hopefully next year I'm going to be doing obviously your Space Hulk campaign I'm going to be doing more Judge Dread because I know a lot of the fans like Strontium Dog enjoy Judge Dread. I've got a campaign which I've been threatening to do for months it's, we're working on that a bit of X-Wing I think as well a bit more epic and uh, yeah, a few other things that we're planning so just because we're going quiet doesn't mean nothing's happening and, and the channel's dead it's not it's very much alive and we will be back again next year stronger and better i think for all the experience that we've had especially with the strontium dog series the last two years pretty much it's been so it was a wild ride and <laughs> <Certainly>. <laughs> i really enjoyed uh, being a small part of it and so thanks again alan i really appreciate it and i think it's unlike anything else that's out there so you're very welcome i don't know what more i can say uh... no no plenty. <laughs> that was fantastic it's great to have the feedback and uh, great of such uh, positive comments about it as well and uh, I just hope it gets a, eventually gets like a wider, wider audience because it is quite niche but um, like you say I've done a lot of looking on YouTube and I can't really see anything else like it not just for Strontium Dog for anything Yeah. so that's why 
the Space Hulk one I think will go down quite well because it's the same method of storyline uh, storytelling but it's basically uh, obviously the action the 40k you know universe so but like I say it's been a pleasure um, working on it with you myself from my own point of view yeah I can't really say any more than that so thanks again to everybody that's been a part of this journey yes, thank you for the last couple of years and and for listening to podcasts when we've been uh, talking about it I think we're both quite sorry to see the Strong Dog miniatures game isn't really going to be continued at Warlord so nah it's not it's it, it? it feels like it really is the end on a, a few different points here but um, but the game's still there if you've got it yep dig it out I'm going to be playing I think I will do some uh, games of Strong Dog as well in my live play things so um, yeah and, and in those live play ones expect major characters to die because it's you won't have the same uh, yeah, you know what to because, yeah, I think there's something that separates it when you're just watching a, a game being played to the, the format that you've been using, and that's why people were Aye, because that was a continuous storyline. I did, you know, you're invested when you're just hanging in a game. If a guy goes, it goes. You know what I mean? That that's the way it is. But as you say, it's more acceptable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so anyway, thanks again, Alan. And um, yeah, you're very welcome. It's been a pleasure as always. And uh, until next year, keep, keep on living, living the life, the life of life die. Or die. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs>